Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. And if you called my show yesterday, Coach you yesterday, then you saw one of those opportunities. I had John Ferrucci on. He's the general manager and chief operating officer for Silver Slipper uh, Casino and just a phenomenal leader, not just in coastal Mississippi, but uh, certainly in Hancock County. And uh, the, the, the story of resiliency, that's the story of, of, uh, of Hancock County and Silver Slipper. And then we also had Josh, Josh Morgan. Uh, Josh is the... Uh, Top hurricane chaser in the world. He lived in Bay St. Louis for this past season. He was on the show a lot of times. And we uh, he's in L.A. now. And we checked in with him and talked a little bit about, you know, what's his plans going forward. And he actually is planning to come back to Bay St. Louis and use this as a base station again. You may see st- some of the uh, prognostications are coming out about this hurricane season. They expect it to be hyperactive uh, again. Uh, one thing that was noted, though, is the Bermuda High that built in last year that kept steering the storms into the Gulf of Mexico. They are they're estimating now that it may not be as strong. That doesn't mean we won't get hit, by the way, but it just means that this pattern that we saw last year may not be the pattern that we see this year. But it's going to be interesting. But Josh fell in love with Hancock County and consider, considers it his uh, second home now. He's uh, actually uh, still negotiating for a second season of Hurricane Man with BBC, with the BBC, uh, internationally famous Hurricane Man um, reality show. But he also mentioned that there's another show that he's working on with a Mississippi producer. It'd be interesting to see where that goes. But if, whatever happens, if it's the BBC or this American producer, uh, it will be a show that will be actually based in Bay St. Louis. And and listen, his show became like the number one hit in, in Australia. So you know, it will be very interesting to see what kind of uh, attention he's able to bring on his his now beloved uh, Hancock County. And speaking of Hancock County, look, I don't typically talk about politics here on Coast View, but uh, but I am very interested in watching the events as it relates to the fourth district congressional the fourth congressional district congressman race that's that uh, is beginning to unfold because as most of you have heard. Um, there's been an ethics committee report that came out about Palazzo misspending, allegedly misspending uh, campaign and congressional funds, and uh, he 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 denies it. But we we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. What's what's the situation? Will there be a referral? What you know? Is he thinking about running for reelection? Um, clearly, I think people see that he may be vulnerable. And hearing hearing uh, the name Clay Wagner. Uh, Clay is from Hancock County. He's been with Hancock Bank for for many years. But hearing that he's thinking about running, that gives you a real indication that um, this is going to be a very interesting race. You may have seen a couple of days ago, Republican uh, Mike Ezel, who's the current chair, sheriff of, of Jackson County, announced that he's going to run. And I've heard several names, actually. Um, Harrison County Board of Supervisor Beverly Martin, has uh, her name is, 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 is kind of being bounced about. Senator Bryce Wiggins, I've heard his name mentioned. Public Service Commissioner Dane Maxwell, I've heard his name out there. But if but if Clay Wagner puts his name in the hat, 
um, his uh, his uh, grandfather and his uncle, his uncle Leo Seal, are the ones who sort of sort of built Hancock Bank into the company it became, that ultimately enabled it to merge with Whitney. And uh, Clay's been involved in legislative affairs in Mississippi at the state level and the and the national level in Washington. And then after the Whitney merger, he's been involved in Louisiana. He's actually on the the he's the commission he's a commissioner for the uh, commission for uh, wildlife fisheries and parks in Mississippi. But uh, and I've known him for a long time. I worked with him in tourism back after Katrina. It's just an interesting name. I think you know we're we're gonna we're gonna have to watch that one together. If he were to put his name in the hat, it would be kind of a game changer. It would send a very significant message that. Um, some really um, viable, you know, business people are putting their name in the hat, you know, instead, instead of the sort of traditional, you know, uh, politicians. So it's going to be interesting to watch, and we'll watch that one closely. Again, we don't typically get involved in politics, but you know, it's just hard to hard to avoid conversations about this one. I've had Beverly on the show, Rice on the show, Dane Maxwell on the show. All of them, I respect all three of them, um, and then hearing Clay's name. And there are others. There are, there are several others that, that have been mentioned as well. Um, we're going to shift gears now. I'm, you know, it's, it's interesting. Hancock County seems to be sort of the focus the last day or two, but I'm, I'm really privileged to have my friend Mark Henderson joining me today. We're going to spend a whole show today just talking about the situation. And, Mark, let me just say, this. first I'll say good morning to you. How are you doing this morning? Um, I, I, if I was any better, I wouldn't be able to stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I enjoy visiting with you because you're a smart guy. When you and I get together, we get to talk about so many different things, but you and your wife had the opportunity. You can't co-founded Mississippi's first brewery in the state and the work that you did. We talked about that in one of our extended coast view sessions to, to create lazy Magnolia brewing company. And then the pandemic, we talked about how you've had to diversify what you do to sort of respond to the moment. We can talk a little bit more about that in a second. You start a company called Log Linear Group, and uh, you design uh, sophisticated radar and communications equipment. You actually are a design engineer. You hold hold multiple technology patents and acoustics and radar equipment. You're an artist. And one of the things I enjoyed talking about when we were together is that you have have right-brain characteristics and left-brain characteristics, and it makes for an interesting guy. And you also care deeply about the community. You're well-read. You pay attention to what's going on. So I want to we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about your business, what's happening. I, in the next segment, I want to talk about technology. We're seeing a lot of trends that are unleashing as a result of the pandemic. And there are a lot of trends that are unleashing just because technology is, is being developed so rapidly. You know, where will we be 10 or 20 years from now? I want to talk to you about that. And then uh, we'll talk about tourism. You're on the you're on the local tourism board for Coastal Mississippi. Uh, man, the numbers are unbelievable. And as I mentioned um, multiple times on the show, Milton Segarra is one of the most articulate uh, tourism leaders I've ever had the opportunity to come in contact with in terms of describing how we're gonna how we're going to leverage Coastal Mississippi in this moment in this pandemic moment. And the numbers certainly prove out that we've done really well in that. So there's a lot to talk about. So. First of all, just how have you been? What you been up to? Man, this is like a million things, right? Uh, so like any other business, uh, we've we've been active and engaged and trying to figure out how to respond to the pandemic. You know, what are the products? You know, the market has fundamentally changed. We've we've, you know, at one point, our forty percent of our business was on premise. 
So draft kegs, you know, so a few bottles, but really focused on draft. And, you know, March of last year, that all went away. Uh, in one day, we went from, uh, you know, probably running 100 kegs a day through the production line uh, to running zero. And we ran zero for three months. And you're like, what do you do? I mean, uh, you know, government shutdown hits and you're just like, OK, that could be bad. What people don't really appreciate is that something like a keg, um, you know, that, that there's a whole big ecosystem around kegs. And you've got this, you know, stainless steel shell, and you send it to a distributor, and there's a deposit that goes along with it. Um, at any given moment in time, uh, for every keg that is on on uh, on, you know, hooked up to a draft line in a restaurant, there are five kegs behind it. And uh, my major concern was what happens when all ten thousand kegs show up at my warehouse next month. I don't have the space. I, you know, just the cash hit. Of saying, hey, look, you're not going to sell anything, but you've got to make good on all the deposits on all those kegs. Um, how are you going to actually dump the kegs that are full? And what are you going to do with the waste treatment? I mean, it, it was just a disaster. And so we've been working through that. Um, you know, we are now back up. We're running uh, keg lines uh, maybe maybe two, three days a week now, uh, filling kegs. So, I mean, we're starting to see the, the transition happen. We're glad to see vaccines out and people starting to make the transition back into the on-premise kind of communities. So, man, there's just a lot of moving parts there. Uh, we also, you know, part of the pandemic was is that uh, you know, we we come out with new brands and and new processes and new procedures, and we try to move those into the marketplace. Um, but there's a whole, I mean, the supply chains and crazy. You know, you've got you know whether it be Winn Dixie or Rouse's, you know, they do set planning and they say, hey, look, you know, are you we're going to give these people a chance with this new brand or not? Um, and in March of last year, they canceled spring sets. We'd spent a quarter million dollars traveling, you know, putting together the presentations, you know, marketing, you know, all of the materials. And then all of a sudden it was all for naught. You're not going to get on the shelf. You know, everybody's focused. Everybody's hunkered down on what they're doing. And man, surviving those kinds of blows, uh, you know, people like to think businessmen are rich. And there are moments like that where you find out just exactly how close to the line you're running. Well, being a small business person requires passion because if you didn't have passion to drive you, you you tell a very similar story to the decisions you had to make after Hurricane Katrina. And, and, you know, we're we're tested. I, I shared this yesterday from Maya Angelou, but he said, I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. And, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to respond. But this is Mark Henderson from uh, Lazy Magnolia, the tourism effort for coastal Mississippi, from, you know, Log Linear Group, just a smart guy. We're going to continue the conversation. We'll get on the other side. on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Kosiu. Uh, we're having a terrific conversation with Mark Henderson. He's a good friend of Kosiu, just a smart guy, someone I really enjoy visiting with. And he's the kind of guy that if we ever get this opportunity, I'm sure we will soon, to sit down and, uh, and have a, a lazy Magnolia bre- uh, Brewery beer and just talk about life that we may be five hours into a conversation because there's so much to talk about. We could never get it all covered here on coast view. But Hey, when I went to break, you were talking about the challenges you were facing. And I read this quote from Maya Angelou that in a lot of ways describes who we are as coastal Mississippians, but it said, I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. You know, that's, that's a powerful statement for an entrepreneur to hear, isn't it? No, I mean, the, the the challenges are every day. I mean, just the other day, our government decided to give everybody a bunch of money and to extend unemployment and do all those kinds of things. And on that first day, as soon as it showed pending in accounts, I had three people not show up to work. And I mean, I, that, that message is all across the coast, right? And so, you know, the challenge is, is that we've done everything right. We, we kept our people employed and we we ran all the way through the system. And now when things are actually coming back and we need them the most, some of them, some of them just cannot help but let us down. And you're just like, man, you know, what do you do? I mean, do you, do you, do you wallow in that and go, what am I going to do? And do you give up? But no, no, that's not who we are down here. We get right well, back. It's not who horse. you are. It's not who your wife is. Uh, but you, but in order to do what you do, you really have to have a passion, not just for a thing, but mm. for entrepreneurship, because entrepreneurship means responding to the market situation. And it may mean diversifying. It may need, mean coming up with new products. It may mean a new marketing approach. It may, it, it may mean a, a host of things, yep. but without the passion for it, it would be hard to do it, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do it with the passion. Yeah. I mean, People, ah, man, it, it would be impossible without the passion if you did not believe strongly. And, you know, to me, Lazy Magnolia is even deeper than just the brand and the liquid that we work on. I mean, we love the beer. We love what we're doing. But, man, we, we try to tie and couple in very, very closely to our community. And, you know, in times like this, when you've got the we're on the backside of a pandemic, you know, you know, we everybody comes together and, and restaurants, you know, we're out there trying to sell tap handles and, you know, get everybody on board with what we're doing and some of our new brands. And then the, the, re- the response has just been absolutely insane of people going, yeah, man, you, y'all, y'all have been there with us. Y'all understand the pain we have been through and we're going to support you moving forward. That's, that's, that's incredible. So what's been going on on the <clears throat> radar technology side of your life? Um, so continue to, to, to work on that project. Um, we, we actually have been doing more recently, um, a, uh, respin kind of a technology refresh for the existing technology on that sits on C one thirties. So, uh, years ago, right. We designed a, a series of boxes that go on C one thirties. They collect, uh, you drop uh, GPS signs out of the back of the aircraft. They fall to the ground. You track them using GPS and then calculate exactly where someone will, will, will drive, you know, in the sky, there's a little, you know, virtual donut in the sky and the pilot drives through it. Green light comes on the back and kicks it out of the back. And so one of the things is, you know, sometimes you're working on, you know, way out there technology and sometimes you're back at home just going, how do we make the stuff we got right now continue to work? So you have a good eye on technology. You, you, you pay attention to that, that world. And uh, like I said, you know, you've got lots of things going on in your mind in any given day. I talk a lot about artificial intelligence here on Coastview because 
it, 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 I'm trying to use this as an opportunity because I came from the digital media space. I'm trying to use this as an opportunity to educate people about what or how artificial intelligence works, the way they collect data, and and why this whole conversation in America about big tech and the responsibilities they should have for uh, for how they use our data. Um, I've, I often talk about Facebook in particular because Facebook, you know, has, has created this this ad platform that uses this data very smartly from an advertising point of view, be able to deliver ads that uh, that are directed at the things that you like or m- maybe what your what your tendencies might be. But the unintended consequences of that ad platform is that it also decides what you get to see in your news feed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's dangerous in a lot of ways because, first of all, it doesn't, it doesn't validate whether a news item that you're getting delivered to your news feed is, uh, is correct or not. And then on top of that, uh, it, it engages you around topics that they think you like. So if, if it's a topic that's around false news, you and I have talked about this before. Yep. Then it's a then what's going to happen is that everyone's going to who who sort of leans in that direction is going to get engaged around that, and so now they're having an entire conversation around false news as if it's completely real, and it makes it appear that everyone in their news feed agrees with them, and that is a really bad place to be from a guy who came from from a news organization watching the degradation of trust in news in America and the role that big data and big tech is playing in that has been incredibly troublesome to me. How much do you think about that stuff? Man, the, the echo chamber drives me, um, and it worries me greatly because I have always considered, I mean, in, in the way we manage our company and the way we engage in people and the way I'm, I sit on boards, to me, diversity of opinion is critical. You never want to silence the minority voice. You want to hear it. You want to be able to to have in the si- in the marketplace of ideas, right? That's from Holmes, one of the Supreme Court justices, right? Is that you have to let the magic of freedom of speech is that you have to let the marketplace of ideas actually weigh these things and debate them one on top of the other, and then and then let them the truth the trickle up to the top, right? The, the best opinions get to promote all the way up and, and we can find then not just good solutions to problems, but we can have actually the best solutions to problems. Yeah, there, there's a serious problem as a result of the way the role that social media has played in all this. And, and it threatens our democracy in, in sort of really kind of fundamental ways. But the good news is that people really, as a journal, if you look at studies the Knight Foundation and others have done around the news media, they, they, people still believe that the news media is critical to a healthy democracy. They, they really believe that. But what has happened is they've just lost, you know, confidence in objective media. And, and in fact, they, they actually see news organizations that are too often are part of the contributing factors toward the partisan divide that we live in today. So people don't know what to trust. So it's a, it's a it's a it's a strange place we find ourselves in, and I've quoted you many times, incidentally, Mark, that too many people aren't willing to do their homework, uh, own homework, that they wait every morning for today's thought to arrive via social media, and then they act on it, you know, as opposed to really validating. As long as it sort of aligns with their belief, even if their belief is based on false news, uh, then they're for it, and they'll spread it, and it will multiply. It's very complex, isn't it? It is, um, you know, one of one of. Uh, I'll give you another quote, right? One of the things that concerns me greatly is, can a democracy survive the internet? Um, yeah. And you know, it used to be that 
to, to be a publisher in the news industry, you actually had to have a lot of infrastructure behind you. You had to have a team behind you. You had to have an organization behind you. And that organization was really a commercial organization and had to, I mean, there were lots of pieces to it. And now to be a, a journalist, right? And to be, to get your voice heard, you got to have a laptop computer and a coffee shop. Yeah. And, and then the craziest idea gets the clicks and you're just like, no, 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 let's, it's it's not good. I, I subscribe to a, a newsletter called Thinker. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. It's mm -hmm. T-H-I-N-K-R, not E, but R, Thinker. And what it does is it's really thoughtful. Um, it takes books and things that have been written by people all around the world, really good thinkers. And it gives you key insights from, from the reading of those things. And there was one that got shared in the last couple of days. It was a, a book by Douglas Murrah, M-U-R-R-A. And the name of his book was The Madness of Crowds. And then it had gender, race, and identity. But it said this. I think he's a British commentator and editor of The Spectator. But one of the things that he said is that, um, that, he, that we've, we're in the midst of a series of swift and turbulent cultural changes. This is the way Think, Thinker kind of boils it down. Uh, Western societies have landed in a new, quickly fabricated narrative that have swiftly been adopted by the masses and become difficult to discuss in civil, productive ways. That goes back to your point, that we're so quick to just grab the, the latest whatever. And again, because it aligns with what our thinking is, we just jump on it. And then, then, we, then we can't have a conversation about it, because if you have a contrary point of view, you'll get slammed by it. So we, 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 we not only have a problem with these, with these you know, turbulent cultural changes happening, but we're not able to have a conversation about it. We're not able to talk about it in, in intellectual ways that will that will derive a better outcome for society. You know, this sort of you know the masses kind of getting behind something. It's a, it's scary, isn't it? Um, I, I, I don't know who actually made this quote, but uh, you know, d democracy is at risk of being two wolves and a sheep voting on who's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> And well, so, you know, I, have, I, I always end the conversation like that, incidentally, with I do have confidence in our democracy. I really do. I think oh, at yes. the end of the day, it's messy. You know, politics is all, has always been dividing. It seems more so today because maybe because of social media, more people are engaged in it. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, hey, there's some other trends around technology that I want to talk about. And then I want to get your thoughts on the incredible numbers that we're seeing coming out of the coastal Mississippi tourism efforts. But we'll, uh, we'll continue that when we get back. This is Mark Henderson from Lazy Magnolia and, um, and other, other regards. And we'll, we'll continue our conversation with him in just a second. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Uh, with his wife, owns Mississippi's first brewery, Lazy Magnolia Brewery. He also owns a company called Log Linear Group. They design sophisticated radar systems and communications equipment. He's a design engineer. He's an artist. 
he's just a smart guy. Hey, have you been have you been uh, doing uh, much painting lately? No, um, COVID has been hard on me. Um, so you know, trying to keep keep an eye on all the things that have to be done. I've been working almost seven days a week, twelve hours a day. Since I can March only imagine. Year. I can only imagine. Hey, listen, I, I would be remiss if I didn't circle back. And we started that conversation talking about artificial intelligence. And I read, I saw a terrific conversation between a guy named Jamie Wetzel, who is a uh, geopolitical expert. He's a futurist uh, on technology. He's written a bunch of uh, sci-fi novels. But he had a conversation with Joe Rogan about, you know, where is technology going to be 10 or 20 years from now? And one of the points that he made is that one of the most fundamental changes that we're going to see, because because technology is moving at light speed while the human brain is not, I might add. So that's, you know, as uh, as yep. a lot of people are concerned about that, for, for a matter of fact. But anyway, he said the biggest change is going to be predictive genetics, that we're going to have the ability when someone is born to do genetic tests and be able to tell a parent that a, a, a genetic uh, problem that's been dormant for multiple generations has reoccurred, and here's what it is. We'll be able to say that by the time this person turns 50, they have a 50% greater chance of developing Alzheimer's. We'll be able to say that, and this is these are these contentions that Jamie Metzl talks about, that we'll be able to say that we, we've measured uh, an, an, a possibility that there would be phenomenal ability to do abstract math, you know, We've, you know, one of the things that he argues is that, in fact, what's going to happen is healthcare will become more predictive as, a, as, as, as opposed to based on sickness. And that, that it will all the way go down back to uh, people will actually have the ability to make choices about embryos. And, uh, and so it's just, it's really an interesting thing. He said that the tide of science could actually overwhelm humanity. And that, and, and here's an interesting thing that he concludes about all that, 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 that at the end of the day, the genius of art and literature will still be the things that sort of emerge, that, that create for us, the, the, you know, and ha have a serious role in our lives as human beings. But when you think about technology, do you think of it in those kind of terms? I do. Um, and I mean, there, there's the good and the bad, right? I mean, being able to predict that that you're likely to develop Alzheimer's and that you should be making plans starting in your 40s of how you're going to deal with that. I mean, whether it be setting up, you know, your trust and all that kind of stuff, or you know, you know, maybe maybe you change your lifestyle a little bit and you go, hey, look, you know, heart disease is in my future. Maybe I can do these things and get around it. And and then you've got the, you know, can we buy health insurance then? <laughs> I mean, there's right. I mean, there's all the unintended consequences of that. I mean, the ability for them to data mine the genetic code is going to be absolutely insane. And then you've got other things. I mean, just look at the vaccines that we've we've just gone through here, right? The Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. Um, Moderna. I don't know if you know this, but Moderna never actually had the virus. They never actually, those scientists never actually laid hands on a, a vial that had the virus in it. They downloaded the code for the spike protein and then built the messenger RNA. And you're just like, holy cow. I mean, wh what else can you fix knowing that you can just do this one thing, download the code, send it around the planet, right? And you can have this thing. I and mean, those vaccines took no time to develop. All the time that has been going on here has been 
you know, establishing the efficacy and the safety of those things. Well, it's really amazing. I mean, when you think about genetic, you know, genetic science and the ability to develop the vaccine the way they did it, um, it really brings, you know, people are able to, to talk about genetic science in ways maybe they didn't think about before because they, they've done a lot of homework about is the vaccine safe and what is RNA technology and what is that all about? It is really incredible. And one of the, th- one of the things that, that Metzl argues is that when you think about artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence is about machine learning. It's about bringing in all this data mm-hmm. and then being able to solve problems and being able to adjust with the data as new inputs come in and, and being able to form like human-like tasks. But the amount of, you know, it's limited uh, at least initially, you know, now by the amount of data that it can hold, but that's going to continue to get resolved as we go forward. If you think about genetics, it's also about, you know, when you think about DNA, it's about, it's about a lot of data as well. You know, and it's, uh, he points out billions of years of data that's coded into that DNA, that the, that the boundaries between AI and genetics are going to get blurry. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. So when we think about technology trends, you know, you think about, you know, what happened before the pandemic and then what happened since the, pan- the pandemic, you certainly think about remote work and the way we're doing this show using yeah. technology and all of that. But then you start thinking about what we're all learning about how they're using genetic science to create the vaccine and all it. This stuff is moving fast, man. It's going to be so interesting as we go forward to see where technology brings us. So, I mean, have you kept up with the fact that uh, so much of the genetic code appears to be detritus, right? They look at it and they go, hey, man, we'd have no idea what this does, right? Um, I mean, you've heard of CRISPR, right, and the ability to modify cells, right, to pick out a very specific location in DNA, cut it, insert something new, repair it, right? Um, that that fundamental technology was based on a bacteria's memory. That is, it would it would be attacked by viruses, it would chop it up, and it would actually insert using CRISPR, uh, insert that into its genetic code. And we've talked about. I mean, you, I mean, you look at just society and and plants and animals and and their ability to you know weaver birds to build these crazy nests, never having been taught. And you go, how much of that is actually buried in the genetic code? And to the data mining component uh, is <laughs> is insane. It, and, it's, I mean, what, look, is, what look, are they going to find? Who, who and what we are is baked into our genetics. That's right. So, uh, you know, certainly the environment have a lot to do with it. Parenting have a lot to do with it. But, uh, but one of the other things that Metzl says that we're going to actually be able to dis- demystify what it means to be human. And it, it's going to be very interesting. And this is all happening so rapidly, Lauren. Hey, other trends, and we don't have time to talk about them, but I think it's interesting that Facebook has 10,000 employees working on augmented and virtual reality. I mean, what's going to happen there is going to be unbelievable. Augmented is taking your reality and then making other things appear in there. Okay. Virtual reality is completely changing what you see. You know, it's a completely virtual reality. But that's 20% of its workforce. They would not have that number of people engaged in that if they didn't think that the technological changes associated with that were going to be unbelievable going forward. Do you get much thought to that? Um, So my son plays Minecraft. Um, and he's got a good friend and they play Minecraft together and they are building virtual worlds and it's all very blocky right now. Um, man, uh, what, what happens in the future? I mean, I mean, trying to keep your, your children and people engaged in the community and in the world and learning to play piano and doing, you know, art and and engaging in those activities. And you look at it and you go, he's building a virtual world here all on his own. 
I mean, that's still art. I mean, still expressive. And there's a lot of things there. I've got actually got a good friend who's actually at Facebook and he works in the virtual reality department. Um, he's actually one of the programmers on the you know, virtual reality headset. And him and I have had some just crazy conversations along the way about where that is headed. It's going to be really incredible. Anyway, we'll shift gears. Um, I'd like to spend the rest of the time kind of bringing it back to coastal Mississippi for a second and talk about, you know, when you look at Mississippi, number three in the nation in terms of recovery, economic recovery after the shutdown, you see that, that tourism drives a big portion of that. And you look at that as a Mississippi, at the Mississippi Hall, and you see the role that coastal Mississippi plays in that. And then you really come to the conclusion that coastal Mississippi, not just because of Ingalls and Stennis, but because of tourism, is an economic driver for the rest of the state. It's important that we remain healthy. If we are healthy, the state say, uh, it remains healthy. Within that context, because of the pandemic, maybe people understand that more than they used to. But the role that coastal Mississippi played in identifying strategically and tactically how to respond to the pandemic because of 80% of the people coming here in cars, that was, re that was a remarkable sort of you know, uh, place to land, to set your feet as you began to think about where you were going to go from here as it relates to the pandemic, wasn't it? So, I mean, it was, it was amazing to me to watch Milton work. So, I mean, for people who don't know, Milton Cigar, our executive director, CEO, right, of Coastal Mississippi and the Regional Tourism Board. And, man, he hit it uh, almost immediately going, hey, look, we've got to get some data on how people are going to respond. What is it that they're going to be looking for? And the other thing that he did almost instantly was like, all right, you know, if Congress is actually putting some money against some of these problems, how do we go get our fair share of it? And Milton got together with the other DMOs across the state, uh, went to Jackson, argued. Coastal Mississippi got almost $4 million. Yeah. Now, and we had to spend it in three months, which yeah. was absolutely insane that we would spend an entire year's budget in three months and execute it you know, pointedly you know, against the, the data-driven metrics. Let's, let's do, you've got to be a process person to do that. And I, I, I process, you wouldn't be a design engineer if you didn't get process. <laughs> but it's important. I mean, strategic focus requires you to understand what are the tactics that are going to uh, enable us and how are we going to measure the accomplishment of those tactics against, against the, you know, to, that helps us to reach the overall goal. We'll come back to that. This is Mark Henderson. We'll, we'll spend, spend the rest of the segment the final segment talking about tourism and where we go from here. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. But, you know, I don't want Coast View to be, uh, you know, where we get so deep into conversations about things like technology that we just kind of blow past people. But I hope what we're doing is a couple of things. One is just opening people's minds to the possibilities of where things might go from a technological point of view, especially I want them to focus on uh, artificial intelligence and the way that it's used in social media and the unintended consequences of that. 
But uh, but I, it's just it's just interesting to think about it. And when we have smart people like you, Mark, I get a chance to kind of you know go down a rat hole a little bit more than I normally would. I hope people are, are okay with that. Um, hey, so anyway, let's, we were talking about tourism, and you were you were talking about the strategic folk. Very, I say strategic. In other words, you sort of understood what the long term vision was, which is more visitors to coastal Mississippi within the pandemic who feel safe to come here know they can spread out etc but the tactical elements of that how they marketed where they marketed uh you know what the elements of the of the plan are going to be they're going to help you reach that vision uh, that's where you were when we le- left off you were talking about milton seguer the current leader that incidentally i should should mention that you're on the board representing hancock county uh on the coastal mississippi tourism effort and and milton seguer is the executive director so that's where we left off. So continue. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit, um, I mean, there's just a variety of things that Milton did. Um, and, you know, there was things that staff had you know, on the staffing level that had to happen. And one of the things that just impressed me immensely is that Milton, Milton was actually due a raise at that moment in time. And he deferred it. And he said, hey, look, you know what? I'm not going to take it. Um, we're going to put this off until things get recovered and that we can start to imagine what this was going to look like. But, I mean, he did all the right things. He went and got the data that said, hey, look, people are going to be concerned about a destination promise. They need to know that they're going to be safe here. Um, we uh, uh, Part of that was to set up a whole group of people you know, focused on how to communicate to the business community about what to do. Right. So, I mean, there's a training component of there that brings everybody together and says, hey, look, you know, here's how we're going to convey that destination promise to people. This is how we're going to ensure that it actually happens. And just all the stuff. I mean, and the net result is, is that, you know, you take, um, you know, the, the nation at large, right? I mean, at its peak was like destinations like Vegas down 70%. Um, the coast never even approached that. And if you look at February of 2021, um, the you know nation at large uh, was say it down 35%. Mississippi down 17%. Coastal Mississippi only down 15%. Yeah. Now, and, you know, Ashley Edwards and I are friends, and him and I talk a lot. And he goes, "Hey, look, you know, when you, when you're comparing yourself, it's not enough just to compare yourself against you know where you're at today and where you were yesterday. You've got to compare yourself against your peers. Yeah, right. Because if your peers are up ten percent and you're only up five percent, you're a loser. Yeah. And and here we are. We're comparing ourselves against everybody, and we're winning. Yeah. And man, it takes leadership like that we have in Milton to make that happen. Well, I'm, I'm I've enjoyed my visits with him, and as you know, I I led the uh, tourism planning efforts for the governor's commission after Hurricane Katrina, and was really really pushing sort of this regional approach to tourism that I I felt so important that Hancock Jackson. And Harrison County joined together with one massive, important tourism effort with a leader. In this case, uh, Milton Segarra, that could that could lead the effort. And um, you know, I I really like kind of where we are. I, I like the way that we've moved this ball forward. I know that it's never exactly perfect, and there's a lot of you know politics and boards and different jurisdictions, and it's complicated. I get all that, but when you boil it all down, I mean, I'm really pleased with what I see. So, I mean, regionalism is a great idea, and it works. So, you know, here's a great example, right? The money that that funds our tourism efforts actually comes from a hotel tax. And that's actually by design because we want people who are visiting our community to actually be paying to promote it to them, in, in you know, again, but also to other people. 
So hotel taxes are the right way to pull that money in so that we don't tax our local population to do these kinds of activities. The the downside of that is, is that you take Hancock County. Hancock County doesn't have any hotels. You know, we're a third swamp. We're a third uh, stennis buffer zone. And so there's just not that much place. Now, then on the other side, we, we, we bring so many attractions, sport fishing, right, the marsh. You've got Bay St. Louis and the art community there, right? You've got the Kill and Lazy Magnolia. Not, not, not putting a plug, but right. I mean, we've got all of these attractions, and and that's true across the entire coast. And one of the things, I mean, regionalism is man, it's it's so um, it's like an eggshell, right? I mean, it, it's a thin, thin thing, and you go, man, it's so easy to break. So historically, for example, you know, the our, our our board has been run really on consensus. And here recently, right, there's been some some changes that, that people have made. And and the other day, for the very first time ever, we had a vote that went nine to six. There are nine Harrison County members, and there are three from Hancock and three from Jackson. And it was a change to our bylaws. And it basically said that instead of rotating presidencies throughout the, the counties to maintain regionalism. Harrison County has always maintained the ability to do whatever they want to do. They certainly generate the predominant amount of the hotel tax. But now, I mean, you know, rotating the presidency just allows a diversity of opinion and to, to build us all up and to make sure that we all feel connected and that we're all engaged in the process. And now it's, it's under threat. The, the, the bylaws change that just happened said that Hancock County will be president once every decade. Once, once in every a decade. 10 years? Once every 10 years? Once in a decade. Wow. And I you're like, man, that's not regionalism. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we, you know, it, I encourage people to reach out, you know, reach out to your public officials and, and, and let them know that regionalism is important. It is the right way to do it. Our, our competitors and places like Nashville, Nashville has one CVB for the entire county and the entire region. And they all sing from the same sheet of music. They're all engaged in the process. And I've had Bruce Spearden from, from the Nashville. Yeah. CBD on, on my program before we're getting to the end of the, of the program now, but we'll talk more about this going forward. But regional tourism is extremely important. And the way it was set up gave the most number of votes to Harrison County for a reason. It, it would be unfortunate to use those votes though to, to further undermine the, the, the intent, which is regionalism. If you had a strong leader in Jackson or Hancock County that had the opportunity to lead, if you had bylaws that said he couldn't or she couldn't, that's not a good thing. So hopefully we can we can have a conversation about that in the community and not let that get in the way of what has been tremendous success. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for spending time with me, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ricky. It's been a pleasure. Mark Henderson from Lazy Magnolia, just a generally a smart guy. We'll have him on more often. He's someone we should be talking to more regularly. We'll see you soon. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.